Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. I joined the world of employment uh, after my sophomore year in high school during the summer. I my mom was a messenger in a newspaper, which meant this is this is the old days when things weren't so digital. But that meant that she delivered tear sheets, which were copies right out of the paper of the ads that companies would take out. She delivered them to their headquarters. So drove around all over L.A. I'm not sure I should have been allowed to do this job at, you know, 16, but I did. I got a little off track occasionally on my routes, but... Um, that's, that's when I joined the world of employment. And it, and it makes sense, if you know me, that my, my mom got my first job for me. Um, it's a little embarrassing, but I'm a, a, an unabashed mama's boy. Um, but anyway, she, I, I was completely spoiled. And um, I didn't really appreciate the value of the paycheck I got when I started that work. Um, it might as well have been Monopoly money. Because you know, <laughs> I, I just didn't know the value. I used to get almost everything I want. And so when I stepped into my first job, besides a paper route, which also was interesting way to get paid. But anyway, that money also was Monopoly. The problem is I took my attitude, the Monopoly money attitude, into marriage. And so when I was able to get a credit card, which took a while, um, because I was in graduate school, then it's a long story. But anyway, it took a while to get some credit. But when I got a credit card, I thought it was awesome because I could just buy stuff I wanted, and somehow I'd figure out how to pay it off at the end. I, you know, I, I had no real plan in mind, but that was—I was playing Monopoly. I was just dealing out the money, and it turns out my native instincts are a lot like other people in our country. U.S. consumer debt is at a meteoric all-time high of 14 trillion this year. In, or last year in 2019. Around 2008, it was 2.5 trillion. And then, uh, that was an 82% increase from 2000. It's just, it's just building steam going up and up. Uh, here, here's an, an old, uh, commercial. What companies like to do is they like to state a problem. And then they like to fix your problem. Here's an old commercial uh, that shows how many people fund their lifestyle. Let's watch it together. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. And how do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At LendingTree.com, banks compete, and you choose a loan that's right for you. When banks compete, you win at LendingTree.com. There you go. That's their solution for it. Um, Here's some stats that are a little closer to home. 
The average Californian's debt, mortgage debt, 335000 surpassing every other state in the country. The national average is 193000 Credit card balance, 10000 Student loan balance, 29000 Auto loan balance, 18000 So those, those are the four main categories of personal debt. As a Californian, you may be above or below those statistics. And right now, if you're above, if you have more debt weighing on you, you may feel the weight of that more than others. And as I talk about debt, you literally feel your blood pressure rising and your chest tighten and your throat <clears throat> you know, get a little tight as well. In marriage, if spouses aren't on the same page in terms of the finances, then it creates an, etern- an enormous amount of tension and frustration in that, in that marriage. It's, it's really rough on marriages and families. In this message, what I'm going to do is walk through some incredibly practical passages from Scripture The Bible is very real and very practical when it comes to money issues. And so I'm going to walk through some passages from the Bible that give us an understanding of how God views debt. And most of them, many of them, will come from the book of Proverbs, which is called the Wisdom Book. It gives us an understanding of how God wants wants us to handle our finances, and it shows us basically how to live wisely in the arenas of life, all of them. And they tend to fall like dominoes, but I won't get into that right now. Um, we'll also get into some passages from the New Testament that was they were written by the earlier followers of Christ. But um, finances are a matter of wisdom, which means that They're unforgiving. Money issues, money matters are unforgiving. You will hit a wall eventually if you don't deal with reality of what's really going on. God loves the entire world. That's what you find in Scripture. Wisdom doesn't. (laughs) Wisdom is just not that loving. It, it is personified in Proverbs 8 as a woman, and this is what she says. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. So she's only going to help those who seek her out. She only loves those. God is incredibly gracious, and thank him for that. But... You, you can't expect God to keep bailing you out because he's wired wisdom issues into the fabric of life. It's the way life works. Now, he will, once you realize your folly, as opposed to wisdom, he will help you step by step crawl out of debt or whatever the trouble is that you've gotten yourself into. But debt is unforgiving. Here's a a movie scene that shows how unforgiving it is. Let's watch this together. Green scarf, please. The choice. Last one. 
That'll be one hundred and twenty dollars. How would you like to pay? Here's fifty dollars in cash. Can you put thirty on this card? Ten on that. Twenty on that. So cute. Declined. Really? Could you just could you try it again? Really declined. Okay, could you just put this to one I side? I can't hold sale items. Money is unforgiving. You hit the wall at some point. And so we're going to look today at God's principles for getting out of debt and how to get on his page as we work through these things. If you're buried under a pile of debt, this can be a really heavy topic. Uh, when you look at the Bible, you find that debt is not forgiven or forbidden. It's not forgiven. <laughs> That's true because it's a matter of wisdom. Debt is not forbidden, but you have to use it with caution. There's a tremendous amount of caution related to debt in the scripture. Debt is uh, a, a major obstacle to being right on the money with God. Debt makes you a slave, but God's wisdom will set you free. Overall, the Bible warns of the dangers of debt. First of all, it makes you a slave. It's what I just said. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. The more debt we accumulate, the more chains we're adding to ourselves. We're chaining ourselves to the lenders and we're getting bogged down. Another danger is it limits our freedom to love. Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the, lo the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So sometimes when we're in debt, an opportunity to show love to somebody comes up, and we can't, we can't do it because our finances are chained to the, the lenders. So a portion of our income's committed to debt already. A final danger is that it presumes on our future. And uh, the Bible consistently warns against presumption. Come now, you who say, James 4 says, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time. And then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Debt presumes that nothing's going to go wrong. That the house of cards is going to stay standing. No wind is going to come to blow it over. And so we, we need to be careful with debt. If you find yourself in debt, instead of getting into despair, I want to encourage you that God is is gracious. He knows you. He loves you. He understands exactly where you are, why you're there. And so I want to encourage you, apply the grace of God to your debt situation and put all of your energy into the solution. Now, I have to fight for this, but this is the way it works when you know God and you're walking with God, is you, you live your days out 
with the opportunity to apply the grace of God to every situation you face. And I have to fight to apply it most days. But you can put all of your energy into the solution because he loves you. He died on the cross for you in the person of Jesus Christ. And he wants to free us up to live the life he made us to live. That requires that we put grace in the situations that we face. So here are some principles that are going to help us be financially free. If you're buried in debt, first thing God's word says is get out of it as quickly as possible. Proverbs 6 says, give your eyes no sleep. This is talking about debt. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. So if you're in debt, get out of it. Run. Run from it. Here are four things you can do to save yourself from the snare of debt. First of all, be rich toward God. I mentioned a story that Jesus told in the first message of this series. He told the story, and his major point at the end of the story was, this is what it's like for those who aren't rich toward God. His point in the story is a warning. It's a warning against getting all wrapped up in the stuff of this life and ignoring the things that make us truly rich in life. The Bible says God is eternal. His word is eternal. His kingdom is eternal. People are also eternal. The point of Jesus' story is that we can lay up treasure in heaven by investing in the things that are eternal. If we get to know God by obeying him, getting into his word, soaking it up, doing what it says, we're building a treasure in the future. We're, if we work to advance God's kingdom through the church, if we give priority to the people around us, treat them rightly the way God that pleases God, um, these are eternal investments that we can all make every day of our life. We can make them right now. That's the promise Jesus gives, and that's what Jesus is saying. If we give our time and money to them, he promises to lay up treasure for us in heaven. The challenge is to try to um, stay focused on the eternal when the lure of the temporary is pulling on our hearts. The stuff of this world is so attractive. I like gadgets. I like stuff. I'm a recovering stuffaholic. I mean, that's, it's, it's rough. Our motivation to live for eternity flows from remembering that we've been forgiven a major debt by God. We must not forget what he's done in our lives. To appreciate the gift of God's forgiveness, we must see our need for it clearly. 
we have to see our need. And this is a, a work that Jesus said the Holy Spirit does in our heart. Jesus said he'd send the Holy Spirit, his spirit, to convict us of sin, to convince us of the truth and convict us of sin. And until the, the Holy Spirit convicts us, we don't fully appreciate what Jesus has done. I can remember the day that God, in his spirit, pierced my heart with the truth that I had sinned and I really needed his forgiveness. I was in church, in the back of the church, I was about 12, and I had heard about sin and the problem of it my entire life, but it became real to me in a moment as I was listening to someone teach the Word of God, and it became real to me, and the truth cut my heart like a knife. It just cut right through it. I need God. I need his forgiveness. And once you decide to follow Christ, it's very easy to forget what he's done in forgiving us, the price he paid. Here's what Colossians 2 says about that price. And you, who were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, so we were dead. Spiritually dead means we can't do anything. We can't make a move. We can't do any good. We can't do, we can't earn our righteousness. Dead people don't move. And the reality, even though we're physically alive, the reality is we're dead spiritually. We cannot make a move to, to do anything to earn our salvation. God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This is what God has done. He has forgiven us a tremendous debt. And the, the great thing is we can accept his payment on our behalf and we can move forward to obey him freely. Realizing the debt that Jesus paid gives us the motivation to be rich toward God, to pour out our energy and time and resources into the things that he says are most important. God himself, the word of God, the kingdom of God, the work of God through the church to extend his kingdom, and people. <laughs> this, is, this is a framework out of which we can live Priorities that please the living God. A second way uh, to get free or stay free from debt is to be content. Easier said than done. Contentment is a choice. It's learned. It's not something you earn. My brother-in-law, uh, for a time, he worked 
teaching seminars on how to get out of debt, the Bible's perspective on money. And he had a friend that made $100,000 a month and couldn't pay his bills. Now I'm thinking, hey, give me 100000 a month. I could probably make it on that. But this guy just kept spending and spending and spending and had a rough time. A current example is Kanye West. He, he's in the news because he's become a Christian. He's having his Sunday service this morning, wherever the Super Bowl is. I can't remember. New Orleans, right? Miami. I was thinking Miami. I should have trusted myself. Okay. But anyway... He's having his, and I hope, I hope he makes it. He's in a very vulnerable position, having committed his life to Christ, being so public. So I, I really hope he makes it. Because I think he's, he's got a lot of people's attention about Christian things. But here's what's interesting. He made 115 million in 2018, but he racked up 35 million in debt. So it doesn't matter how much you earn. You still have to trim it back. (laughs) You have to watch your spending. Contentment is not tied to how much money we have. It's a core attitude that we need to learn if we're going to get free of debt. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. We get a lot of help with discontent. Companies spend billions of dollars to try to show us solutions to our perceived problems so that we want to buy their product. The cost of a 30-second commercial on the Super Bowl today is $5.6 million. 30 seconds, $5.6 million, that adds up quickly. It's hard to get away from advertising. If you're on social media, then your feed includes all kinds of ads. Here are a few ads that popped up on my social media when I was getting ready for this message. Um, men's clothing ad. Everybody needs a vest. <laughs> you know, there, there are times... When I really want a certain piece of clothing and, you know, I got to fight to not hit the button to buy it. I've been looking at outdoor solar lighting, so somehow they know this. And it popped up. It popped up. This popped up on my ad. Here's an ad for a hearing aid. I'm not quite sure how they know that I'm losing my hearing. But, okay, I did, I did Google a hearing aid at one point. I'm trying to time my purchase at the right moment. Uh, but anyway, um, I like thin wallets that fit in your front pocket. So here you go. These these things may not tempt you right now, but it's very likely that you have a hunger for something. You have a hunger for some stuff, and. If you look at Ecclesiastes 6.9, the word desire can be translated appetite. Appetites are never satisfied. Just like our appetite for food, we have to keep it in check or we, it, we get hurt. 
I just had blood work done this week. Probably need to trim back on a few things. We get hurt. Hurts our health. It's, it's the same with our appetite for money and things. It affects our spiritual health. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you have a personal friendship with God, which Christ followers have, if you've turned and given your heart and life to follow him, you have a, a personal friendship with the living God. You can learn contentment. You have what you need. A third key to gaining freedom is to spend less than your income. Pretty simple. Uh, but here's a skit from Saturday Night Live to help make the point. I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? (laughs) Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? (laughs) No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. (laughs) The advice is priceless, and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. (laughs) So get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. All right, there's a little fun. Um, but it's, it is pretty basic. To get free or to stay free from debt, it's pretty simple math. Your outgo must be less than your intake. That's the way it works. To pull that off, you have to know exactly where you're at. You have to know what's going on with your finances. You need to be aggressive in limiting your spending to reduce your debt. And you must track your income and outgo with a budget. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead... Surely to abundance, 
but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Very practical stuff in Scripture. <clears throat> Next week, we're going to dive into this a little further, but I'd like to suggest a 10 10 10 70 plan. Say your total income is 82000 This is the average income in California. The Bible says you tithe or give 10% off the top. Uh, more about that next week, but a tithe is 10%, so that's $8,200. You take your taxes out of there, 16,400 tax. Wow, 1,600 would be fantastic. Um, but anyway, in that income range, taxes are generally about 18 to 25%. So you take 16,400 out, then you got that. And then if you're in debt, uh, you take 10% to repay it. Uh, you should use 10% to work out of it. And then you take savings out of that, another 10. So 10 ties, 10 uh, debt repayment, 10 savings. Uh, it's very wise, Scripture says, to save for future and emergencies. And then the balance, that's the amount you live on. It's, it's pretty basic. You could, you could take that <clears throat> formula and work through your own budget, your own level of income. To be right on the money with the Lord, you need self-control because it's, it's a bumpy path. To get out of debt. It's rough. You have to choose contentment. You have to reel in your spending. And it's, it's not easy. You need self-control from him. And you need the faith to keep going to him and asking for your help. It will require a, a wise, detailed plan like this. Debt's not forgive, uh, forbidden in scripture. But it is Cautioned against often. If you have trouble with credit cards, then you may need to just cut them up or set them aside uh, while you dig out of the hole that you're in. The final thing to gain freedom from debt is to give to God first. And this is totally counterintuitive. I'm going to talk more about this next week. But Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Your level of generosity is a spiritual matter. As much as going to church, as much as reading your Bible, as much as showing kindness to the people around you, God is generous. And if you follow Christ, he will grow your generosity. This is what you can expect him to do. He's going to do a work in your heart to open it up to be more and more generous. Your level of generosity is a major gauge to what's going on in your heart. That's what Jesus said. We've looked at a couple passages in this series about that. Uh, but this passage here, it tells us to give the first fruits. Of all your produce, you give off the top. Lord doesn't want you to give him the leftovers. If you have the faith to give first, right when you're paid, God promises to take care of you. 
to give more than you'll need. Not more than you want, more than you need. Wants are an appetite. Our desires, they eat us up. So this is how you find out God is real. You give to him first. You limit your spending. You watch him work to provide over and above what you expect. This is a scary thing to do. This is a big risk. If you shrink back, though, from the risk, then you never find out how real God is. You never find out what God can do to help. And you, you, you don't discover how trustworthy he is. If you're buried in debt, it's tempting to hold back on giving until you get free from debt. But if you do, you're going to miss the opportunity to bless others along the way and to see God work on your behalf. This is how he works. He wants us to give off the top and trust him to make the rest go further and further. God will work on your behalf when you give what he puts on your heart to give. Next week, we're going to look at a specific passage with a promise tied to it. And God says we can test him in this area. Be as generous as God leads you to be as you crawl out of debt and watch him come through for you. He will meet your needs. He will come through. As I wrap up the message, I'd like to encourage you to take some next steps. This is what we always do, because the blessing in reading the Scripture is figuring out how we can do the Scripture, how we can actually apply it to our lives. So I'd like to invite you to take these next steps. The first one is to memorize Proverbs 22.7. If you're in debt, this would be a great thing to memorize. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. You're chained to the lender. They're just holding you down, holding you back. And then you could take one step to gain freedom from debt. And I'd encourage you to circle one. It's on your listening guide. It's on the back of the listening guide. You could circle it in your mind or just circle one on the listening guide. Uh, I would encourage you to be, be rich toward God. By pouring into the things that are eternal in life, be content. you got to choose that. It's, it's learned. It's something we learn, and God gives us the ability to do that. And then spend less. You may just need to get your budget in balance and even a little lower. And then finally, give to God first. Take the, take the challenge. To give to God first and see what he does. He will come through for you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word that really does set us free. You are gracious. You are kind. But you've built truths and principles and ways into the, our lives that we, if we violate those things, we run into a wall. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us to push through the wall of debt today in our minds, in our hearts, and set ourselves to do what pleases you, God. We ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.